This is Rebecca Lowe, or Rebecca Lua, if you listen to Suboptimal Radio, and you are listening to Men in Blazers on the NBC Sports Network. It's unbelievable! From the Embassy Row Studios in the crap part of Soho, it's the Men in Blazers podcast. And you are listening to Pod Save the Queen. <laughs> is that Welcome. what we're calling it now? The amazing thing, you're now a monarchist, Rog. Yeah. Ever since the last US presidential election, and now that Prince Charles has grown a set. Yeah, he has. You've become one of my favourite royals (laughs) since Brett Saberhagen. (laughs) You've suddenly become a monarchist. I love it. It's one of the great turnarounds. I've just started to think about other forms of government that are available. (laughs) Let's just say that. Yeah. But you know what? All of that conversation does go on our political podcast, keeping it 1700. Yeah. So let's just move on to and other subjects. We don't talk about politics on this podcast. Yeah, we don't ever. We just talk about football. But last week, if you were unlucky enough to listen to our Valentine's Day pod. We don't talk about football much, to be honest. <sighs> Why would we talk about football, David, when we can talk <laughs> about many other subjects that are available? For instance, last week, if you were unlucky enough to listen to our Valentine's Day pod, we talked at length about our different positions on love. And you told the ballad of your first first base with a girl in the gold dress. We received, I've oh. got to say, a bulging mailbag. We did. As a result, that noise that just came out of your mouth. <laughs> I know, I just remembered it. <laughs> it was like, I imagine that's like the kind of noise that comes out of Andy Carroll's mouth But do you night. know that oh. I forget everything? I'd completely forgotten oh. what you were talking about for a second, and then I remembered all about it. Well, we so got, I went back again. Well, we got a bulging full mailbag. Yeah. And here's a letter I really, really liked from one GFOP, yeah. Mr. Seth Schwartz. I'm yeah. going to read it in full, and Seth... Send us your postal address because you deserve a patch for this masterful piece of poetry. Yeah. Seth Schwartz writes, Your show about love was sheer torture. (laughs) Boring and endless. If you want to talk about love, Tracy Chapman, another irrelevant, boring, grossly self-indulgent, caps, matters, start another pod, caps, called Stupid Boring Stories That No One Cares About. Oh, it's a good idea, actually. (laughs) So, David. (laughs) Well, we should do that. Let me ask you this. Yeah. How would you like to die? <laughs> Why? Because you think he's going to come and take us? We never talked about nah, it. just out. fascinating. We never really talked about it. We've talked about how we'd like to be buried, but we've never really talked about if you had a choice. I've been thinking a lot about it this week. Which way would you like to go? Um, so we spoke on the pod, I don't know when it was, maybe a year and a half ago when I had my near-death experience, when I almost died. Known uh, as on, the on, near-death experience. Yeah, when I almost died on Melrose, ended up, doing a full uh, 180 spin into traffic coming the opposite direction uh, on Melrose. And I thought that was it. I thought I was really going. Yeah, and actually like, in that moment... You like you're in the Bourne identity. In that moment, I also thought, not a bad way to go, because it's immediate. It would be sudden. You'd just be taken, taken down by an 18-wheeler and plowed out. And You'd it be, would all be over. You haven't had any time to think about it. It would just be done. And yet that would be horrible for my children to have me go so suddenly. So I, I, who knows? Um... But since then... Stop thinking about your children. Think about yourself. (laughs) No, but since then, I thought, like, watching my mum go, I wouldn't want to go like that. wouldn't want to go slowly when I'm old. I don't want to go like that. It's awful. There there isn't enough morphine in the world to make me want to go like that. Sounds like a beautiful love song. There's not enough morphine in the world to make me want to go like that. I still have a dream. I I still have the dream. Yeah. Blackadder style. That's an English sitcom from the 1980s genius. And uh, that final series, World War One, that scene when Blackadder is a is a British officer, oh, World yes. War One, 
and he knows in the morning he's going to be uh, taking them over the top out of the trenches. So, you know, leading my troops into battle. That's still probably the way I'd want to go like down Like the end to. of The Great Escape. Yeah. You and me both having a cigarette. Yeah, as, the, as the Germans have captured us, they pull us over and you turn to me and you say, I've never been happier. In many ways. And then we I'm, hear the click I'm of the never machine gun. Yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't want to go. Not that I wouldn't want to go with you, Rog. Yeah. But I don't know that I'd want to what go as, as a prisoner. I would, I would like to sort of that idea that maybe we're going to get through. Maybe we're going to lead the charge against that machine gun placement. Uh-huh. But ultimately just get oh, chopped down like I'd that. I'd be Donald Pleasant Leading. just blindly stuck in my uh, aircraft with my glasses smashed. Yeah. I want to make a statement. I think death is great. <laughs> well, without death, there's no life, right? I was going to say, without death, there's little motivation to get off the couch. Yeah. It's only known that time's finite. That we, we get out, we, we create only because of that. I mean, it's like what Stevie G, the wisdom of Stevie G, a yeah. book forthcoming, mm-hmm. told us about the weather in California. He said, unless you have rain, you start to take the sun for granted. Same about death. You have to have death so you really live life. And I've talked about on the pod before about how I want to be buried. And I'm going to repeat this because yeah. I'm in a morbid state of mind. Mm-hmm. My best friend from age zero, Jamie, yeah. who you've met, yeah. singing an a cappella version of Russians Love Their Children Too in his yeah. deep, rich bass voice. <laughs> I mean, rarely has a more cliched set of lyrics thought itself to be more self-important. Thank you, Sting. And I think by the time he gets to that, there is no historical precedent to put the words in the mouth of the president. Just everyone will be giggling together around my little grave. This and just, it's how I want by to the way, down. can I just say, there is so no way that Mrs. B ever allows this to happen. No, you can fantasize about it, but Mrs. B, <laughs> Mrs. B, he wouldn't even get to walk up and get through the intro before Mrs. B would yank him. It's just not happening. I think she'll have me lowered to the English Beats version of Tears of a Clown. But in terms of how I actually get into the coffin, <laughs> I'd always thought, Dave, yeah. I'd always thought rather unimaginatively, I thought one or two ways. I thought I'd either like to die in my sleep, yeah. which is how producer Lexi told me she'd like to go, or the Dixie Dean way, the great Everton striker of the early 20th century who had a heart attack during a derby. I think Everton had just scored. Sadly, they went on to lose the match, but mm-hmm. Dixie was no longer conscious. The second Everton lift the Champions League trophy, I'd just like to go. Just then, David. That's probably it. Just go right at that moment. But I've had a rethink this week, which I guess is why I'm asking you. I think this is the new way I'd like to go. Okay. I'd like to be poisoned by a smiling assassin (laughs) in an LOL shirt. Probably tops dying in my sleep. It's just so much more memorable. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So if you're listening, (laughs) North Korea... Anyway, enough of that. There's more work to do before we die, David. Yeah. No days off, as Billy Belichick would say. The work continues. Yeah. Men in blazers, alive, if we're still alive, David. Yeah. We'll be back next Monday. Sorry, America. Ugh. Kicking off 5.30, right, producer J-Dubs? After Leicester wet themselves some more against Liverpool Football Club. And wow, our live show, Men in Blazers on the road. Road, road. At your world champion city of Seattle. March 16th. How long did it take to sell out Davo on Sunday? Two minutes, Rog. No, that would be crazy. <laughs> two hours. <laughs> two hours, oh, sorry. mate. When you held up two, yeah. I thought you meant minutes. Yeah, no. Now I I'm disappointed. Seconds, seconds <laughs> now, mate. Now, now I think, God, didn't do very well. Oh, I thought it was amazing. You yeah. GFOPs are yeah. the best. We are blown away by the response. Working with the venue to make more seats available. Jam a couple more characters in. I'm not sure really? how we'll do it. Possibly it will involve drones, Davo. They seem to be the solution to pretty well everything How nowadays. How many seats are there? Three. <laughs> really? <laughs> Very large ones. Yeah. No, I think there's 650. Wow. 
650 people are coming and to see our standing crap. room. Um, I think they're probably coming to cheer the world champion Seattle okay, Sounders, good. the Perfect. Seattle Rain, some of the Seahawks. Yeah. You're threatening Bill Nye. Oh, the science guy, Bill Nye, the science trying guy. to yank some mix a lot yeah. into the mix. Oh, it's going to be, it's going to be a nipple tingler. <sighs> but I've got to say, I've never been to Seattle, the place where Detlef Shrimp became a man. I can't <laughs> wait to taste the chicken made by the original Ezel at Heaven Sent. Yeah. And thanks to all of you GFOPs for sending in a deluge of what we should do in Seattle suggestions. Especially adore the several hundred of you who have written in with a suggestion, drive to Portland. Yeah, well, those would be the uh, Portland people. <laughs> Cascadia Cup rivalry. I would like to go to Vancouver. Oh, never been there. One never the, been to Vancouver. Oh, never, never been. Lived. I've never been to Vancouver. You have never lived. It's yeah. one of the most beautiful cities yeah. I've been to. It's one of the few cities I've actually landed in. I thought, wow, I'd love to live here. Wow. Love to live. It's just the outdoors, okay, Rog. Okay, good. The outdoors, Rog, just wants to walk across the hills singing... Slightly German Teutonic <laughs> songs. The uh, hills are alive. We've got a lovely email from Washington-based GFOP, Jen Wisemore, kind of captures up the sentiment mm -hmm. of many of you and the response we've had from Seattle. She said, just got my four tickets. Can't wait to host you in our dreary, raining city. Rog should feel right at home. I can't wait. You make it sound so me, Jen Wisemore. You GFOPs, you're just the greatest. It's not just me posturing. We've both been blown away repeatedly over the last couple of weeks, by your generosity of spirit. I mean, we're still under a dark cloud here at Men in Blazers World Headquarters after our loss in the crap part of Soho. Alan Zapata, David. Oh, my God. Alan, uh, who is our engineer uh, on Men in Blazers and at Embassy Road, worked on a bunch of our shows. Oh. Um, he'd been sick for a while, had cancer. It suddenly got worse and... Um, Passed away age 40. Yeah. Leaving um, behind his wife and a two-week-old baby. Yeah. However, I must say the most amazing thing about Alan, um, number one, his sense of humor till the end and his sense of humor always with us. I mean, I don't think Alan had ever watched a lot of football before he ended up being with us. He probably hadn't spent a lot of time around uh, two bald idiots like us, but he got into our show in such a sensational way. He used to make us laugh all the time. He used to record... Uh, things on loop that guests had said or that happened with guests and he'd play them back to us the whole time and mm. keep us in a good mood. Once Shaggy came in, Dave made him say, Rog! <laughs> in the way that he always shouts, Shaggy! When he runs out of lyrics in his yeah. songs. And whenever Dave and I were pissed off, yeah, like things editing. were not going right, we were up against a deadline, everything yeah. was just going static, the wigs weren't sticking, my fringe was just not lying as I wanted it to. Whatever it was, the toupee work was not up to the level we demanded. We'd be sizzling in the studio and he'd just push, push that button. Rudge! And then if it didn't work, he'd push it again. Devo! Yeah. Oh, never, <laughs> never. So good. Never failed to uh, make this giggle. Good. It was always good. His comment to um, his wife close to the end that, you know, not in any way bemoaning his state, bemoaning his, his illness, he actually felt like the luckiest man in the world that he got to actually experienced the birth of his child and actually got to hold that baby. So um, really, really moving stuff. Alan, you were so um, vital to Men in Blazers in the building of that show in that little closet, that little uh, corridor control room that we built. Uh, we wouldn't have got the show on air without him. And um, You're to blame. Yeah, <laughs> you are to blame. We just should say one thing about Alan that I'd say is about bravery. Is Alan's bravery through this whole thing. You know, he would come in patched up, honestly, with arms in slings, bandaged, 
you know, having taken his drugs, having come off um, therapy, and he would just sit there and get into his work, sitting there running the engineering for Men in Blazers. And it was about the power of just like, life is amazing, Rog. Life is amazing that you just keep on going, you keep on going, you keep on going, you keep on going. We wrote about Alan in our newsletter, The Raven. And I just want to say, I am profoundly moved by just how many GFOPs have been in touch with Alan's widow via the website. Your generosity towards his baby son, Lionel, and his college fund, it's, it's remarkable. It's a beacon of light at a dark time. It's incredibly moving. And I'm saying this as a cynical man who finds sincerity very, very, very difficult uh, to emote. But thank you, thank you, with all of our love. And now I will revert to default mode. <laughs> Horrible old Rog. Proceed. <laughs> okay, Rog, we've got a pack show. We go all Woodward and Baldstein <laughs> to investigate the story everyone is talking about. 46-year-old... 280 pound reserve Sutton United goalkeeper Wayne Shaw we created a monster (laughs) fired Rog the curse of Rog for eating a pie we you for eating a pie on the bench during the team's FA Cup tie with Arsenal we celebrate non-league Lincoln City's victory over big league bully Burnley we're all limps today (laughs) and we breathe a massive sigh of relief as Mark Clattenburg puts his Saudi Arabia sojourn on hold thank you Mark okay to the football Rog crack open the Guinness Hard to know what to toast in an FA Cup <laughs> weekend in which most of the clubs are either trotting out reserve sides yeah. or in warm weather training. Liverpool in Spain, Everton in Dubai, Sunderland elected to wamble round the freezing New York City. Huh. And I did enjoy all the emails from GFOPs who reported in how shocked David Moyes was when they strolled up to him on Broadway and just poked him in the shoulder and were like, Oi! <laughs> so I want to raise a glass to something far more remarkable and newsworthy. Uh-huh. And you join me in this. Producer JW just got engaged. Are you kidding me? We didn't discuss this. I loved it. Okay, JW. I raise a glass yeah. to him and his future wife, Ashley. Yeah. May she be the Andy Carroll to <laughs> Mikel Antonio. <laughs> may, she be, may she be very different than that, JW. Congratulations Go to you. Shagger. Congratulations. Not surprised you didn't discuss it with me, but congratulations. Oh. Are you going to get married on the field at Ipswich? Portman Road, right? Oh, my God, that would be get, an amazing You should wedding. always get married where you want your ashes to be scattered. <laughs> oh, we start at the top, though, with the big news everyone in world football is talking about. Yeah. Clattenburg. Yes, Rog, the biggest non-pie-related story of this FA Cup weekend. Mark Clattenburg is leaving the Premier League to make a massive transfer to Saudi Arabia's <laughs> top flight. The Jamil League, where he'll become head of referees. Clats was thought to be departing immediately. But like someone who is convinced to stay by his own goodbye party, he's finishing this current Premier League season. Thank God. At T Mark 13, instant reaction. Reading about Clats leaving the Premier League feels like listening to Neil Diamond and Barbara Streisand's You Don't Bring Me Flowers Anymore. On repeat, yep, it used to be so natural mm. to talk about forever. At Fly Goal Scored said, bloody hell, 60% of all men in Blazers jokes are moving to Saudi <laughs> Arabia. Yep, we're f- The percentage is actually higher than that at Fly Goal Scored by. Klatz was actually, as you say, meant to leave immediately, which was numbing. But it was announced on Monday, according to the tabloids, that he'd made a U-turn and will referee Premier League games again like a share farewell tour, apart from please God make it really his last one. Do the players have to give him a guard of honour, Dave? Is that why he's sticking around? Oh, my God. I mean, this is unprecedented. Yeah. You know, the most famous referee in the world before Klatz. Probably Pierre, yeah, Pierluigi Colina. Powerballed. But P- 
Pierluigi made himself the centre of attention because he was just so bloody good. Mm-hmm. You, you couldn't take your eyes off him when he was yep. refereeing a game. Yeah, he wasn't like walking around being like, everyone, you're all asking yourselves, do you want to? And you want to. He was just refereeing the game masterfully. But here's the awful thing about Klatz. Klatz has actually got the reward for making himself the centre of attention and making himself famous. He's got a transfer where... I'm just guessing they're paying him quite a lot of money to go to Saudi Arabia. No, he finds Saudi desert culture fascinating. <laughs> Intellectually, he's long been a yeah. uh, Lawrence of Arabia fan. Yeah. I mean, it is so fascinating. The era of fake news An Arabic created scholar. the first ever big referee celebrity transfer. But let's just, I mean, get into the big questions. How hard will Premier League ratings be hit? Who has the rights to the Saudi League? The Jamil. He's why we watch. Uh, I mean... Let's break it down. Why is he doing this, David? Money. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Clatt's boyhood dream was to referee in a league where you can flog persistent <laughs> offenders. <laughs> money, yes. I'd imagine there's a lot of money involved. I imagine the Saudis probably showed him photographs of planes full of kestrels. Yeah. And he was like, yeah. Yeah, I'll have some I'll of have that. I'll have some of that. But his official reasoning was... Likes I don't, the sun. I don't want to live with a level of scrutiny Premier League referees experience week to week. More likely, though, he actually loves it. <laughs> I mean, referees are, by their nature, extreme narcissists. We've talked before about a psychologist who studied elite referees and declared them to be, quote, and I love this quote, it just, who isn't one of these? An anal retentive control freak with no personality, prone to childish sulking fits if they don't get their way, and who becomes worse the more attention they get. What they don't get in English football is, as you've said. Yeah, the dosh. The dosh. And if you think about it, Klatz, who's refereed every big game in football and has got the tattoos to back it up, Mm -hmm. he's always been entrepreneurial. He he once unveiled a commercial for a hair loss clinic and hair plants. Yeah, it's not real, ladies. But for him to be surrounded by multimillionaires, more famous than many of them on the football field, but getting paid a fraction of their salaries must drive him crazy, David. Yeah. Latest, figures I could, latest figures I could find. Refs earn a base of $81,000 a year and around $1,300 a game. It means they make from refereeing about $125,000 or a third of what Wayne Rooney makes every week. Yeah. I mean, look, money is definitely a factor. But also, don't underestimate for people living in that rainy cloudy, somewhat depressing island, Albion, Rog, is how much they fantasise about being able to go and work and live in the sun. Like, British people, like, they'll go anywhere. We're speedos. It's why Dubai... Roll out of bed on with you, speedos. It's why Dubai exists. And I think a job in the sun for a guy like Mark Clattenburg, that in itself is a fantasy. It's winning. It's winning. But I wonder, he must feel like a really good teacher at an elite private school populated by hedge fund owners' kids, where you feel you're in the wor- that world, the moneyed world, yeah. but not quite of it. You ultimately want it so badly, you're willing to move to Saudi Arabia, Davey, to make it true. I don't know much about that league. Do you know anything about the league? Is it competitive? Is it good? Is, it, is the standard improving? I think it's probably perfect for him. You can't name a single player yeah. that plays in it. And the only person anyone will know is him. It's his fantasy <laughs> come true. It is absolutely fantasy. But I will say, Premier League, I know you're listening. You're a GFOP Premier League. Mm. Message to you. Go big or go home. Put in a blockbuster trade for Ed Hockley. Or else the league's vanity levels, they're just going to plummet, drop 47%. 
It's going to be fascinating, David. I won't make a documentary following clats around Saudi Arabia. Clattenburg of Arabia. It's a very fascinating persona. <laughs> I can imagine him refereeing in a kafir, just uh-huh. trash-talking players with lines like, Thy mother mated with a scorpion! <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant, brilliant, Raj. Can't wait to see the first footage from what's the league called again? It's called the uh, Jamil. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, we might need to see if we can get that on yeah. NBC Sports. They won't know what's hit them. Uh, okay, Sutton. You're to the FA Cup, Rod. Sutton United nil. Arsenal two after last week's long night of Champions League humiliation in Munich. Oh, Arsene Wenger's men muster the courage to dispatch the fifth tier chocolate and amber in front of just more than 5,000 at Gander Green Lane. Goals from Lucas Perez and Theo Walcott, his 100th for the club, Rog. Theo! Signal the clock striking midnight for vaping Sutton manager Paul Dogswell <laughs> and his merry band of part-timers. But after the game, all of the talk was about the man who guested right here on this very pod last week, Wayne Shaw. <sighs> we created a monster, David. Uh, you a, created a monster, Rog. A pie monster. Yeah. More on Wayne Shaw and the burgeoning pie rights movement in a mo. Uh-huh. But Arsenal, we've got to start with that. Spare a thought. One minute it you're taking the field at that modern technological marvel that is the alliance arena oh, in munich i love that stadium the next you're shivering and pissing down your own leg to try and stay warm while you're standing under one of the four cold showers at the visitors locker room at gander green lane yeah wondering where the hell it all went wrong although you certainly played better in one environment more than the other but if that isn't a metaphor for life david yeah don't know what is on monday afternoon arsene wenger's arsenal bougie Pampered Premier League elitist, they had to sully themselves at 5,000-seater Sutton United Stadium, the mm. Borough Sports Ground at Gander Green Lane, against Sutton, whose team of semi-professional painters and factory workers trained just twice a week. They mm. really couldn't win, even though they ultimately, thank God, did win. America, to put this into your context, it's like watching explorers descend into the unknown, or in terms you can understand like seeing the Knicks play against a team from Kenny Graham's West 4th Street League in the cage. And I love, before kickoff, certain manager Paul Doswell just paraded round like a father of the bride on her wedding day while the volivants and pigs in a blanket were being handed out post-ceremony at his local working man's club. Arson's face. It was more like the groom's dad who just didn't want the wedding to take place in the first instance because he fears his son is marrying down. It was all a class <laughs> hilarious. Couldn't have been sour. There was like no... No happiness, no warmth, no party. Just turned up with his bouncers and was just like, let's get this over with. I used to have an aunt, Tisha, who would uh, always say to me, she's spoken abbreviations a lot, and she'd always say, always say N-Q-O-K-D, which was not quite how kind dear. <laughs> which is, that's very N-Q-O-K-D. <laughs> that's exactly that's a T-shirt. It was N-Q-O-K-D, oh, not yeah. quite how kind dear. Yeah. And to be candid, the game was even from the outset. It was like watching two teams each part-time footballers in their own different ways mm-hmm. for clash for 25 minutes. Arsenal, just a complete lack of confidence after that Bayern thrashing. Sutton, so up for this, so used to their synthetic turf. Playing with bravado, too much bravado, as it turned out. They just overextended themselves. Lucas Perez countered, cut him from the right, drove the ball across the box. Theo with his signature whiff, confusing the keeper and the ball found the corner of the net. Seventh goal of what has been a playing time reduced role for Perez, a frustrating season. But as the ball nestled into the back of the net, I just felt like I was living back in primitive times and had just heard the news. Unicorns had just died out. (laughs) 
Sutton did uh, huff and puff, though. Rog yeah, didn't all... didn't quite play like Bayern, but they <laughs> but they but they, they they gave it their best. Yeah, they were like a journeyman boxer, knowing they had a puncher's chance. Yet the miracle on turf, it was not to be. Theo Walcott finishing sharply to kill off the game after a series of defensive mistakes by Sutton. It was Theo's hundredth goal, and to me, just as impressively as the goal haul, he had the self awareness not to celebrate for fear of looking like a total bully. He's the 18th gunner to hit that mark in all comps. Few have achieved it in a more killjoy fashion. Arsenal fans finally exhaled with a rendition of their specially written song, Lincoln City, we're coming for you. English poetry. What pleasures were left? Rory Deacon hit the crossbar for Sutton. If it would have gone in, it would have been like Seabiscuit scoring a bloody goal. But then the hero our times cried out for, roly-poly goalie, Wayne Shaw, Appeared to bite into a pie of his own volition at first, Davo, on the sideline, yep. on the subs bench during the second half, a moment which Fox showed, as they should have done, in glorious, delicious slow-mo. And it all for a minute felt like, it's why we watch sports. Mm. Until we quickly learned he'd been encouraged to do so by <laughs> the worst tabloid in the world, the Rupert Murdoch-owned son and their betting company, who'd offered eight to one odds on us eating a pie from the bench, which in American terms, it was as if a beautiful, pure moment actually turned out to be stage marketing ploy for like GoDaddy or Hooters. At Relaxtorium, ask you a question, David. Is it possible to have anything more English than this scandal? The speed at which the poor guy was built up and torn down and that it's pie-based? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I think actually it's the... It's the, uh, the, the pie-based nature of the scandal does make that the most stereotypically English scandal of all time. I mean, Americans are very good at building up people and, and pulling them down very fast. But this, the, the, the pie-related the pie related nature of it is, is definitely something. I mean, I don't know. I sort of feel bad about it. I feel it's sort of the media created this, Rog. The media and Rog. <laughs> Are you squinting the or media, are you looking at the me? The media, in including Rod, I feel guilty. created this. I feel an incredible amount of guilt. And then when he does exactly what everybody believes, motivated by the media, he's now suddenly public enemy uh, number one. And look, at what point sport and entertainment, they're fairly connected at this point. So it's all quite sad when it comes down to it. At Rosewater Trout tweeted in, if pie-eating is a crime then are we not all criminals? <laughs> yeah. If only it was as easy as that. I mean, to your point about feeling guilt, I feel a tinge of guilt. I spoke to J-Dubs as it went down, and he and I both yep. felt terrible. Yeah. I mean, we contributed I think to I giving this man worse. his 15 minutes of fame. We encourage him to be a modern-day Icarus flying too close to the pie. Yeah. But his moments of fame all apexed in the wrong way. I mean, a way which contravened gambling laws. And yeah. Betting rules are betting rules. And what Shaw did, influencing the betting market... The son had offered eight to one odds that he would eat a pie. He then yeah. eat it, ate a pie. It was wrong. Yeah. But it does gore me, I've got to say, that say, just let me make up a, a theoretical instance. Let's say there was a man called Set Blatter who'd peeled money <laughs> away from FIFA for decades. Yeah. And the authorities take forever yeah. to bring him down. Yeah. But they can move against a 46-year-old man who sleeps on the training ground sofa three nights a week, vacuums the stadium before games. They can kneecap him within 24 hours. Oh, life moves at your fast, Wayne Shaw. And Sutton's vaping manager, Paul Doswell, said last night, Wayne's absolutely devastated. Tears down the phone this afternoon, which made Paul Doswell sound like George after he just shot Lenny in of Mice and Men. At Heath Stack tweeted in, as Two-Face said in Batman, 
you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. And it was also quick, Dave. I, I think Shaw became a scapegoat for taking the attention away from the team. But the team had already invited in evil by having the Sun sponsor their stadium and jerseys for this one-off game, which is like bringing wolves into a hen house full of fluffy, cute, non-leaved chickies. And from a human perspective, Sutton was everything to Wayne Shaw. Just listen to our podcast and you understand that. It was ever, it's pretty well all he had. And on what should have been one of the greatest days of his life, his pie turned to ashes in his mouth. He's had his own identity stripped from him. He's out of a job, Sutton are out the cup. And the saddest part is that the Sun, that wretched tabloid outlet of the worst kind, is the only real winner out of all of this stuff. At Ingler Hofferstern tweeted in, we know our gustorial rights. You cannot stop the hashtag Occupy movement. Puns are the best jokes, Inglehoffen. Mm. Let's remember Sutton then, Davo, for the good things. There were so few fans at the tiny little sports field, despite it being sold out, that you could hear through the game just the conversation of clusters of supporters were having around the field, one of which was a long-running and furious second-half argument about whether or not Arsene Wenger was, quote, a granny shagger. <laughs> That's well, he's moving up in, in the world. People aren't that kind to him at other Premier League grounds, uh, Rod. Oh. He gets accused of much worse things. From an Arsenal POV, yeah. if Arsenal had a suggestion box, I'd tell them to rank Gander Green Lane for the return Champions League game against Bayern Munich. That FA Cup victory, it was like a band-aid on the gaping flesh wound caused by Bayern. Killed off the Champions League tie in 10 bloody second half minutes as Arsenal defended. With all the attention Harrison Ford gives to landing his little plane. <laughs> on the correct runway, not on the taxiway. <laughs> I mean, look, the Arsenal game against Bayern, Roger, it was just predictable. It's just predictable. This is how Arsenal perform in the last 16 of the Champions League. Every single time when they've got a big game, when they've got a big moment, they just get taken apart. And by the way, they weren't completely mismatched. This was like when they play against a big club in the Premier League. They feel like they're matching. They feel like they're, they're there. And then suddenly... <sighs> Blitzkrieg. Koscielny goes off. Blitzkrieg. Ten minutes, they just implode. The sixth straight season, Arsenal will have lost a round of 16 game in the Champions League. I mean, that's such an old Arsenal trope now, a complete mental collapse at the first sign of challenge. English journalist Paul Haywood tweeted a beautiful thing that captures the enormity of that loss. He said, sums up Arsenal's dreadful night. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain is on the pitch on his own clapping but he's clapping the wrong fans mm. Bayern's fans for the record are still clapping him back the debate around <laughs> <laughs> the, debate, the debate about Wenger's next move now just runs completely amok I feel like we talk about this every week on Pod Save the Queen I mean he's now said I am going to coach for four more years whether it will be at Arsenal or not remains to be seen Dave I mean this is a bloke who now has to take the field between two bodyguards because fan anger has boiled to such an extent, should he stay after the Munich def demolition? My dad always had a phrase when we were growing up, we were at a party, he'd always say, stop at the top, lads, which means leave while everything's still going great so you're not around by the time someone's pissing in the microwave. Everything goes to crap. I mean, look, I don't feel qualified to talk about whether Arsene should stay or go. I think it's a matter for him. It's a matter for, yeah, I'd say it's a matter for the club, but the club don't seem inclined to make any decision. It's only going to be Arsene who makes that decision. There is no point in that fourth place trophy every single year if you're going to crash out of the Champions League. You know, this may be the one area I agree with Piers Morgan. 
it's pointless. It's like getting into a nuclear war over, like, you know, who has the most Instagram followers. It just is pointless. It doesn't <sighs> lead may to happen. anything. It doesn't lead. It doesn't lead to anything, Rog. So uh, the point of football, the point of being an elite club, is to win trophies. And it's been a long time since Arsenal won anything big, Rog. I mean, part of the problem is Stan Kroenke brought the team as an investment. An investment. Right now, he views his club like this. They're one of the richest teams in the world. Huge amount of cash in reserve an ATM of a stadium in one of the most popular cities in the world, and just stability of consistent Champions League qualification. If you are Stan, not a football fan, not a football man, yeah. that's probably how you think about your team. And in that light, Arsenal's doing what he's meant to be doing, keeping up the pretense of a challenge. I mean, only three clubs have qualified for the Champions League every year for the last 20. It's astonishing. Arsenal, Real Madrid, and Bayern Munich. But Arsenal's not meant to win, and that's the dislocation with the fan POV, with Arsenal fan TV, if you like, and ownership, they think differently. Fans' minds are filled with hope. They want the team to take the next step forward, you know, and win things. Owners' minds are filled with fear. They look at disruption. They look at transformation. They see Manchester United and see how that brand, yes, brand, has struggled post-Ferguson, and they shudder and just embrace a lukewarm bath of the status quo. Well, this is what makes sports interesting, is that the brands of clubs are not just about the people that own them, and the people that play for them. The brands of clubs are also about the fans, about the people who support them. And this is where that investment, I say, starts to look a little bit shaky. Yes, they're still playing attractive football. Yes, they still play the football that Arsenal fans demand. But at the point that again and again and again and again, you aren't winning, you aren't winning trophies, uh, the fans are going to get frustrated with it. And the fans, there's a disconnect in that brand. And that brand isn't as strong. And that's what makes Arsenal valuable is the strength of their brand. One lovely note to end on, certain manager, the vaping Paul Doswell, he told reporters after the game, Arsenal committed to a $62,000 investment at Sutton to build two classrooms for the club. We'll just say, well played, Arsenal. Yeah. Well played. Absolutely. Uh, Burnley, nil. Lincoln City, one, Rog. The wow. tenacious fifth-tier red imp steal an 89th-minute goal at Couch Fort Turf Moor and become the first non-league team to reach the FA Cup quarterfinals since Queen's Park Raisins, Rog, in 1914. They had Burnley they to a list raisins. of FA Cup scalps that includes championship sides Brighton and Ipswich Town. That's very uh, uh, big of you uh, to admit that, JW. Next up, Arsenal at home for Lincoln, Rog. Oh, fifth-tier Lincoln. Knockout big boy Burnley. Quarterfinals, inheriting the last purveyors of the magic of the FA Cup trademark baton from Sutton and prove to Chelsea fans that Fortress Turf Moor is not impregnable. To put this in American terms, which I've done several times today, it's like an independent league baseball team, the Asheville Tourists, the Wichita Wingnuts, the Batavia Muck Dogs, any of them. If they beat the Milwaukee Brewers at Miller Park, hmm, Bratwurst. This was the most shocking thing I've seen since Iceland beat England. Similar level of fairy tale magic to it all. And what a game it was. Physical, combative, sharp edge, classic, timeless, helter-skelter English football. Low on skill, high on tenacity. Burnley, 12th in the Premier League. 81 places above Lincoln City, who were first in the National League. But both teams had a similar rugged approach to football. Indeed, Lincoln's manager, Danny Cowley, whose team are robust, passionate, hard to break down summed up the difference between the two teams when he said Burnley are just, quote, a really, really good version of us. <laughs> it's like Olivier Giroud's a really, really good version of me. In fact, watching them, 
They actually out Burnley, the heavy leg Burnley, to deserve victory, David. Who's to say that Lincoln couldn't end up being Burnley? That Lincoln couldn't end up getting promoted? Uh, we've seen Wigan go from the fourth tier of English football all the way up to the Premier League. Uh, why couldn't we see Lincoln do the same Well, they've got thing, savvy brother? leaders, the Cowley brothers, the Duffer brothers of non-league football, Danny and his assistant, Nicky, his brother, pair of phys ed teachers until last year who've powered their club to the top of the National League. It wasn't luck this game, David. They had a game plan and it worked in front of their 3,210 travelling supporters, which the club nicknamed the Imps called their Impvasion. It sounds more like a kind of elective surgery that you actually want to avoid. Their subs bench cheering every 15 minutes. They kept the game scoreless. Their team just smothered and harassed. They had no respect. They had no fear for the Premier League opponents. They just had an organised fury and a physicality. So many heroes. Alan Power in midfield, who came of age playing on the same football team as Conor McGregor, the Mark Clattenburg of UFC. And the enormous bull-denying centre-forward, Matthew Reid, striker that the Guardian called wardrobe-sized about three times in their match report. Burnley couldn't contain him. Joey Barton tried, Dave. Every piece of high theatre needs a villain, Dave. What a repulsive game he had. Faking facial injuries, just yeah. instigating, generally Joey barton Yeah, it's essentially the same pantomime that Joey Barton, the same act in the same pantomime that Joey Barton has been performing for decades. It was either a come-and-get-me plate, Saudi league, <laughs> referees association <laughs> but it was a game that would be great it's like the WWE him and Klatz could just go against each oh, other every week, week. The week yeah the week. well who's playing this week Klatz <laughs> v Joey Bond and their teams nah it's just the two of them oh yeah I'd watch that but this was against fifth tier this week Barton's getting flogged <laughs> that would be amazing that would sell out just the stocks for Barton this week this was against fifth tier opposition David which the more you think about it, which I don't encourage you from a human perspective, is just sadder and truly desperate. But then in the 89th minute, corner knocked back across the area, bounced in off the head of a shock Sean Raggett, a 23-year-old centre-back. Lincoln's only shot on target in the game, and it just crossed the line. Win at Turf Moor for Lincoln. Tiny Lincoln are only Swansea, Arsenal and Man City had won all season. At Dante, Florence tried to explain the madness. He said, Joey Barton must have had a thousand quid bet on Lincoln. What a, what a march. What a story, David. Amazing. Lincoln also, Roger, I've been to Lincoln once, except I couldn't remember where it was. While you were talking, I just looked at a map to remember where Lincoln was. It's sort of just above East Anglia. There's a little bit that comes in, a bit of water that comes in called the Wash. I believe the Vikings got in there, and that's where they sort of uh, invaded Rog. That's and where started your Vikings ra- are going to come in, They're right? going to come in at the wash. And Lincolnshire, Lincolnshire, Lincolnshire is a tiny county right there. I played tennis against them once right? when I was a kid for Kent. Completely uh, innocuous. Very innocuous. But it takes, it takes a year and a half to get to, even yep. though it's really not that far away. It's sort of just a little bit northeast of Leicester. You have to travel there by longboats. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Uh, but it's Lincoln. It's like... It's known for heavy engineering. It's nowhere. Building locomotives, yeah. steam shovels, and yeah. tanks. <laughs> the team's logo, it looks like a hungover juggalo. You've got to look at it. Online. That team, Davo, they're yeah. now one game away from Wembley. What a march, Davo. I mm-hmm. mean, that has not been done by a non-league team since 1914. And we all know what happened then. The First World War broke out shortly afterwards. Yeah. I'm just saying the team is now $2.5 million richer from prize money, television revenue, gate receipts. The club have given each of their players a $6,200 bonus, which is more than they make, apparently, in wages over a month. <laughs> For playing for the team. So to me, David, that 
is the magic of the FA Cup. Oh, amazing. Rog, talking about magic of the FA Cup, one of my local teams, South East London's Millwall, Rog, 1-0 over Premier League champions Leicester City. The Foxes' misery continues as they fall to League One, 10-man Millwall at the Den. The Lions had a man sent off in the 52nd minute, but claimed a 90th minute winner. Claudio Ranieri, David, yeah. needs to be fired. <gasps> He's turned into house arrest Uncle Junior before our very eyes. Wow. He's been given plenty of time. Yeah. Should be said to summon a reaction from his players. Uh-huh. He has managed neither reaction. And his team, they're entering Lindsay Lohan circa Herbie fully loaded Fraser footballing freefall, David. How can you fire Ranieri, Rog, after he bought them the Premier League title last year? How can you fire You're breaking him? news there. He brought them the title. <laughs> brought, didn't buy, didn't oh. bought. Oh, I didn't I say bought. He news. brought them the title oh, last year. He how, delivered them the title. How, how on earth could you? How on earth can you fire him? For, there's no place for nostalgia in football. In the same way as I there is in Leicester. Wayne, <laughs> Wayne Rooney back at Everton. There is in Leicester. I mean, it is absolutely astonishing. It is Buster Douglas in disguise, defence of glory? What you watch this football team? They are just victors who have become so lax. I mean. They are shade of the full mental strength and waistline they displayed in winning the title. Yeah. Now under pressure, Ranieri saying, I've been too loyal to Wes, to Jamie Vardy, to Danny Drinkies. And the amazing thing here is this is a squad which was made for struggle, made for cellar dwelling. Mm-hmm. But they're like Maasai lions who've been taken into captivity. They've just lost their ability to take care of themselves in the wild, David. Yeah, they also lost N'Golo Kante. They lost N'Golo Kante. This was no one-man team in any regard. They've just abdicated their place at the top of the food chain, become Mm. everyone's prey, even Millwarns. Everything is in ruins, and I think it's going to end full circle, David. You heard it here first. Within a season, Jamie Vardy's going to be back playing for Fleetwood and working in a factory. Respect to Millwall, like the beers on the coach on the plane, less on the plane, just beers on the coach. That's yep. what it's going to be for Jamie Vardy. Beers hitchhiking, yeah, and it'll be special brew. Yeah, no respect for Millwall, though, Rod. You're exactly right. This much maligned team, team. and they're much maligned team. Terrible. Um, this, frankly, Millwall have got a pretty horrible history of violence and various incidents going on uh, down at the Den. They've been in a big battle. Uh, with their local council, with uh, with Lewisham to lose the stadium, council. which they've won, <laughs> a, a council that I've been in battle with as well over various issues. So, um, but they've they've let's, had a good few weeks. They've let, let's just say they're London's most authentic. Yeah, they, football they, club. they are. But they're they're staying at the Den apparently. A they're cauldron. Gonna, yeah, they're going to stay at the Den. They're now on this sort of fairy tale FA Cup run. Good for them. It is a run, Dave. They've undone Premier League, Bournemouth, Watford. Now the defending champions, which would be huge cause. For celebration in England if Millwall were not feared more than they loved, mm. as Chaz Palminteri would say. Now to some of the bigger teams, Blackburn 1, Man United 2, Jose Mourinho and co. come back from 1-0 down thanks to goals from Tickle Me Marcus Rashford and second half sub Zlatan Ibrahimovic. United now set to travel to Stamford Bridge <sighs> for a quarter-final tie with Chelsea. That's going to be a real football game, Rog. Yeah, this was a real football game. United actually had to work hard to overcome one-time Premier League champions turned fallen heroes and championship strugglers. Blackburn Rovers, they needed Zlatan off the bench to ice their foe. The 35-year-old has now scored 24 goals in all competitions. Found the back of the net in. Are you ready, Davo? The FA Cup, Copa Italia, Spain's Copa del Rey Mm. and Coupe de France. But not, we should add, in the big one, the US Open Cup. (laughs) This following a midweek Europa League hat-trick against Saint-Étienne. After which he said, 
wherever I went, I won. So I'm like Indiana Jones, <laughs> which means he goes back to college where he was a teacher at and he's named associate dean and ends up getting married to the feisty Marion before everything's said and done. Yeah. And pilot small planes. Roger lands them on the incorrect <laughs> runway. <laughs> They're still on track to win the plastic treble. Yep. Or Mourinho's team, League Cup, Europa League and FA Cup, huh. which Liverpool did in 2001. Mm. And United fans laughed at them. But how Mourinho would love it as a symbol of progress, like the old Yiddish joke about the crap budget tailor who implores his customers to never mind the quality, feel mm. the width. Chelsea await in the next round. Oh, it's going to be a good tie. In other United news, Mourinho admitted yesterday he can't, quote, guarantee Wayne will still be in Manchester United in a week's time when, suggestion, suggestion, China's transfer window closes. Mm. Rumours abound about Wayne going to the Chinese league. Poor bloke. All he knows about China is Wings Restaurant. <laughs> He's in for a rude awakening. <laughs> yeah. for Rooney. It's going to be hard. Huddersfield, nil. Man City, nil. German-born American manager David Wagner's championship side fails to score against Man City at the Kirk Lees Stadium, despite Claudio Bravo playing in goal. <sighs> yes, he did. It was a reserve team, David, for City, plus poor old Kun Aguero, who sullied around the field as if embarrassed to be playing on a City team so depleted. Not just Bravo, but Jesus Navas got a game. Mm. Huddersfield also made seven changes to their best team. And without David Silva and KDB, there was little thrust to Guardiola's team. In truth, the replay... It's probably the last thing Pep would have wanted as the schedule crowds. Huddersfield Town's on vogue manager, David Wagner, was a bullion post-match. Wagner, as you mentioned, the Klopp disciple, former US international, who's become quite coveted in football circles. His dad was a US serviceman, his mother German. And while I adore this story, if Huddersfield make the Premier League, they're currently third and probably playoff bound um, in the championship. This is not a triumph of American football culture. He won eight caps under the Steve Sampson dark days, but his footballing acumen was shaped in mites on the Rhine. Yeah. And his making the Premier League is very different to an American-born manager whose footballing know-how was shaped by American soccer culture running a Premier League team. So cheer for him, but I think there's a huge difference. City proceeded to delve into the Champions League against league and leaders Monaco. Yeah, what a game, Rod. Breathless, ecstatic stuff. Eight goals, high-octane flank play. No goalkeeping whatsoever. Mm. And John Stones, God love him. He is so haphazard at this point. <laughs> I just imagine... Brings you no pleasure at all. It really is remarkable to watch him. His career's getting to the point where he's in great danger of Melissa McCarthy actually starting to play him on Saturday Night Live. The more I believe we got a DeMarcus Cousins quality steal <laughs> in selling him, we should have thrown in Hibbo for another 100 million. Yeah. This game is like an NBA All-Star game. Just no defence. And I've got to credit City for having the resilience to come back, even though the tie's far from dead. At the end, Pep charged down the sideline, tried to do a Conte jump, and he stopped, just turned the other way, kind of pogoed awkwardly in place, and then just charged forward and leapt again. I just love Pep. Watching him, I realise he's just not a man that's very practised at being happy. We haven't seen him smiling a lot since he got to England. Uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers nil. Chelsea, two championship scrappers. Wolves hold Chelsea scoreless before Pedro, my Valentine, Rog, picked the lock with a 65th minute header. He knows it too. Diego Costa, he's playing wonderfully. So he, there's a little uh, bounce in his step, Rog. Oh, I spoke to him, he said he's thirsty for Dave. <laughs> Diego, the message who wants to, to marry Davo? Diego Costa added one late to set up that quarter final clash with United. This was a uh, potential banana skin 
Uh, Rog. Bear pit of Molyneux. Tiny banana skin. It's a classic game, Rog. The orange of Wolves against that blue of Chelsea. Feels like we've been watching uh, those colours, but on a, on a much muddier Molyneux uh, for, for, about, for about 40 years. Honest performance by Wolves. Chelsea, ultimately too much class, too much finishing. And Pedro, Rog, just continues this remarkable, remarkable turnaround. He's oh, t- One thing I loved about this game, the intensity Antonio Conte projected throughout the entire game. I mean, in a FA Cup in which most managers don't seem to care, mm. playing depleted side, he was just working the whole game. He acted as if this was the biggest game of the season. And you sense that he realises he could win the double in his first season in English football, mm. which would be an unbelievable achievement. Having said that, I believe he only knows one way to behave on the sideline, and that's with a barely contained madness. I think there are some significant things that he's trying to work out on the sideline with Chelsea. You know, he's barely rotated the squad this season. He's played the same, you know, 12, 13 players basically the entire time. This is a chance for him to look at some of his other players. I thought Nathan Arcade looked particularly tasty. His first half of the season on loan uh, at Bournemouth. He was at Watford last season, I believe. He's a um, terrific-looking uh, centre-back in the Chelsea mould. Poor man's Matt Miazga. Yeah, very good. Ruben Loftus-Cheek had a good game. Just lots of good performances by some of the squad players, and that must be encouraging. Lovely to see Diego Conte. Costa end a runner 430 minutes without a goal. Yeah, no, good for him to get on the score Welcome sheet as well. Welcome back. Welcome nice back, guy. Diego. Yeah, absolutely. New Diego. Uh, Middlesbrough, three. Oxford United, two. This was a great game. After taking an early 2-0 lead, Borough held off a second-half comeback bid by the League One U's. Oxford scored in the 64th and 65th minutes to level the score, but Christian Stuani restored order four minutes from time. Borough now hosting the winner of City versus Huddersfield. And finally, Fulham nil. Spurs, three, Rog. <sighs> at the cottage. A Harry Kane hat-trick sees Spurs comfortably into the quarters at Brian McBride Memorial State... Sorry, at Craven Cottage. Spurs <laughs> get a much-needed win. They now host Millwall in what will most certainly be a docile affair. Docile, I believe the, the Americans say. Spurs survived the Clint Dempsey derby. Yeah, absolutely. And they've got a Casey Keller derby on their yeah. hands. But after back-to-back defeats against Liverpool and then humiliations Ghent in the Europa League, oh, they needed this, David. They really did in their awful coloured third strip, which if you squint, it looked like Spurs were playing in the nude. I quite enjoyed it. The <laughs> of the game in the nud? Yeah. yeah. I spent the whole time like squinting. Ooh, I could see Ericsson's bits. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I should, I should release an album called Ericsson's Bits. Bits. Yeah. Oh, the longer the game went on, the better that jersey looked. Ericsson freewheeling and assisting with his bit. Harry Kane doing what he does, which is make incredibly difficult finishes seem easy. Hmm. I interviewed him and asked him how he always seems to be in the right place at the right time. And he looked at me and goes, I honestly don't know. But it's just an instinct born of rigorous practice. And so it was in this game. His opener was Spurs' first open play goal. Uh, in 375 minutes of football, is second in which he flicked the ball through the goalie's legs without looking. It was just a fantastic piece of outsider art. Mm. Only dark side, if you want to be picky from a Spurs POV, Harry Kane stayed on to deliver the hat-trick. And that Pochettino didn't trust the misfire in Vincent Janssen. Give him a little run out, get his confidence up in what turned out to be a spanking. Very good, Rog. Fantastic stuff. Talking of fantastic, Rog, your Spurs documentary to dare is to do to do to do debuts this sunday at 11 a.m right after spurs play stoke city on nbcsn the film features 
Mauricio Pochettino, Chairman Daniel Levy, Hugo Lloris and Harold of Kane. And we have a taste of the Poch and Lloris interviews, plus a fascinating talk with youth development guru John McDermott in Brilliant a pod guy. special that comes out this Friday. And talking of pod specials, Rog, special, special. Juan Mata is coming on the pod to talk about hugs <sighs> with you, Rog. Yes, It's going to be exciting. I think we're taping it. Uh, hopefully this week, David, oh. I really genuinely have so much respect for that man, for the way he carries himself on and off the field. Mm. I can't wait. Send us your questions for Juan. Okay, MLS news. MLS. We're just eight days away from the start of MLS's 22nd season, Rog. The narrative oh. building with Clint Dempsey set to return as the Sounders defend their title. Dax McCarty will make Chicago a paler shade of ginge and some new names and new teams. <laughs> yeah, God, hearing you say that, Dave, I realise I dreamt of MLS last night. Huh. MLS, do you ever have MLS dreams? Uh, not ones I remember. I do. Uh, yeah. I, I dreamt that last night Dax McCarty was traded back to the Red Bulls. Mm. One of the most restful nights sleep I've had in a long time. Sadly, the truth dawned on me that the Red Bulls are actually taking a Filene's basement approach to this season, resting it all on Sasha Kleshdown and Bradley Wright Phillips' shoulders. As NYCFC keep rearming in ever more fascinating learning curve ways, welcoming their newest designated player, Maxi Morales. The Argentine attacking midfielder who struggled at Mexico's Club Leon but did play 142 games in Syria for Atalanta. Another technical creative player for Patrick Vieira's team. Welcome back to MLS 2. And we mean this, as you said, with all of our hearts. Clint Dempsey, mm. who's been fully cleared to play football again after battling heart issues. We will see you in Seattle, Clint. I love saying that. In other MLS news, uh-huh. we taped a video series. Looking at each one of MLS's new jerseys with Adidas head jersey designer, Dr. Jersey. Oh, that was real. I thought that might have been a dream. Now that happened, mate. You oh, and I yeah. in the panic room with okay. Mike Walker, who came in from Germany to shoot with us. They yeah. will launch next week when J-Dubs finishes editing them. I love doing that. Yeah. I love that Vancouver jersey. Yeah, it was a nice one. Uh, okay, the winner of the coveted Guinness Men in Blazers poet philosopher soccer scribe Raven of the Week is from Aaron Presley in Southern California. The time has come for me to pick out my first suit, gentlemen. I have lived a relatively carefree life consisting of t-shirts and saka apparel with relatively little to no knowledge of men's high-end fashion. I look to your wisdom, albeit crap wisdom. I am quickly approaching a career in law enforcement and on many occasions I have to wear a full suit for various interviews and occasions. What colour should I wear? What material should I wear? I live in Los Angeles, so sorry, Rog, no corduroy too warm. Do the shoes have to match the belt? Does the size of the patch really oh. matter? Because it seems to have worked for Jose Mourinho. I would normally turn to my father or friends for this kind of information, but seeing as how my dad is a truck driver and my friends are college students, I turn to you. Help me, men in blazers. You're my only hope. Oh, David, I love that line about living a relatively carefree life consisting of T-shirts and soccer apparel. It's yeah. known in the fashion trade as Tony Poolish chic. Very true. What should it be, David? Well, if you're going to own one suit. One suit. One suit. I think it's got to be a navy blue suit. Oh, For me, it's a navy blue suit. Most men look good in navy blue. It's just a good colour. Versatile. Yeah, dark blue suit. You know, don't don't go for the... $100, $150 suit. Spend a little bit more money. Get something with slightly better fabric. It will last longer. It will last you a long time. Navy blue suit, black shoes, black belt with that. Oh, interesting. Dark socks. 
You can wear so many shirts with a navy blue suit as well. You can wear almost any shirt with a navy blue suit. I always find a blue suit goes best with holsters. <laughs> yeah, well, open carry. Yeah, holsters, two buttons. <laughs> yeah, two, two buttons, buttons, double, double vents. Vent. Yeah. It's beauty. You can wear it anywhere, yeah. to work, to yeah. weddings, to attack and destroy a large drug shipment belonging to Kaiser Soze's Argentinian rivals or whatever you do in law enforcement. Yeah. Do the shoes have to match the belt, David? Great question. Yeah, they do. Yeah, your shoes have to match your belt. It's very on vogue in men's fashion right now to not wear a yes. belt. Yes. Like, everybody's oh, going not beltless. Not comfy with that. Yeah, no, I, I feel like you need a belt. Some advanced uh, men are going to wear brown shoes with a blue suit, but I think you've got to go got to go black shoes. You're in law enforcement. You've got to go black belt, black shoes, dark socks. Uh, have a white shirt, have a nice blue shirt, get a little bit of a Bengal stripe. You can maybe even work with a check every now and then, but I, don't, I wouldn't. I'd just stay white, I'd stay blue, I'd stay a little Bengal stripe, a little blue and white or black and white stripe. You'll Almost all of my formal shoes, David, yeah. they're blue. Really? Yeah. I've got, I've got you a do, lot. you've got those blue suede shoes, I know of, those. A lot, I've got, so I've got a couple of blue belts. I'll often wear them whatever is on my feet. I'd never wear a brown belt with black shoes. That is a huge, huge no-no. But as long as it's not a super formal event like a job interview or for you in law enforcement like a big drugs bust, the same belt shoe thing, it's a rule. And I, do, I think rules are there to be broken. And the different color belt, it's like the false nine formation of style. But I'd always invest in a great quality belt. Great, great quality, but as good a belt as you can get. I think a great belt is just a friend for life. Often yeah. my only friend. Yeah, and also if you're refereeing the Saudi Arabian League, you can whip it off and whip <laughs> someone with it as well, which is a good <laughs> thing. That's why us. you would refer. Yeah, if you're going to have a second suit, or if you really don't like the navy blue, I'd go for a charcoal. Go for a good charcoal grey. I've got a charcoal grey on right now. Yeah. Cashmere. Yeah, very nice. That looks gorgeous, Rog. Uh, what, sh- what, is you, what shoes are you wearing? Oh, it's black shoes. Black look boots. at you. You look, you look so, so conservative today. Okay, your weekend I'm going looks... on the drugs bust right now. Like <laughs> this. On Saturday, a classic relegation six-pointer as Palace Thank host God it's Middlesbrough back. at 10 a.m. Eastern time, followed oh, by... Oh, that's the Robbie Musto, Rebecca Lowe showdown. Followed by Watford versus West Ham at 12.30. Sunday at 8.30 a.m., it's Spurs versus Stoke on NBCSN, followed by Roger Spurs film. After that, flip over to B in Sports... For Man United versus Southampton in the EFL Cup final, Rog, the Cuppity Cup Cup. Oh, with Ray Hudson. Yeah, custom guitar sting pending. And Monday. He's got to beat it down his pants. And Monday. And it's a pulse. <laughs> on NBCSN, it's Leicester versus Liverpool at 3 p.m., followed by our crap show at 5.30. There are many ways to connect to us. One is through our Amazon Emporium, which helps keep the show going. Anytime you go on Amazon Fridays, big or small, just click off the Emporium page. Men in Blazers gets a tiny percentage that allows us to cover the cost of creating the show. What are you putting in the Emporium this week, Rog? A book. Huh? Exit West by Mohsin Hamid, the mm. British Pakistani writer who's written what's been hailed as the first pro-Brexit, post-Trump great novel. And it's pretty bloody good. The first half, the best half, details with exquisite gripping methodological detail, Mm. a city descending into civil war, the noose tightening around the neck of the local populace caught in between what he calls the drone cross sky. Some of the best writing I've inhaled this year. Second part of the book looks at the escape of two lovers thrown together by the conflict and their fight to survive, both physically and as a couple, amidst the violence of relocation and exodus. The thing I love about him, is that few writers have a better appreciation of the dizzying conveyor belt of life, like Hamid. And anyone who's read his previous books, The Reluctant Fundamentalist 
and the amazing <laughs> How to Get Filthy Rich in Rising Asia will know what I mean. He writes towards the end of this book, the apocalypse appeared to have arrived, and yet it was not apocalyptic, which is to say, while the changes were jarring, they were not the end, and life went on. Please, God. Please, God. Yeah. Uh, Roger, I'm putting in not just one book. I'm putting six books into the Amazon. Are you upping Emporium. me? Are you seeing me my one book and upping me to six? As you walked in to, the, uh, to my office today where we do the pod, you saw on my desk my new, well, it's actually used, it's old, six-volume History oh, of the Second World War. I didn't just by, see him. I wanted to make love to them. Uh, written by Winston Churchill. I've been looking for a really good set of these for a while, and I walked into one of my favorite bookshops uh, in the States, South Congress Books, down in South Congress uh, Street in uh, Austin, and I saw it perfect, and I bought them immediately. Looked on Amazon. Oh, there are quite a few uh, copies of this available uh, used. It, look, it's, it's pricey, but this is, a, this is a collection of books you keep in your house and you pass down. Uh, to your, I've got my eye on to my your children set. and your grandchildren. Uh, it's amazing. He wrote in six volumes. So he not only presided over the Second World War as British Prime Minister, he then, after the war, between 1948 and 1953, some of those years he was also Prime Minister again uh, by the beginning of the 1950s. Was it after that he wrote it, or did he write it before? And well, then he, he was like <laughs> the Premier League scriptwriter. By the way, that's a very, very good point. Uh, the Gathering Storm, their finest hour, the Grand Alliance, the Hinge of Fate, Closing the Ring and Triumph and Tragedy. Uh, he wrote those six volumes. Oh. Uh, I've been dipping into them. I've read several excerpts. Just it's just trademark Amazing. Churchill, brilliant, brilliant writing. This coincidence, possibly, but those six book titles are also the exact same names as the titles of Mark Clattenburg's six-volume <laughs> autobiography. Yeah, true. Plats of Arabia. Yeah, Visit Men in Blazers, uh, the six-volume history of my time in Saudi Arabia. Visit meninblazers.com to sign up for our newsletter, which we produce with our partner Guinness. A new issue flies this Friday, Rog. It is a beauty. If you want to sign up to it, sign up via meninblazers.com. Producers JW and Lexi pour an incredible amount of work into that, and I kind of crap some stuff out too. Oh, I want to close with one note, David. Yeah. It's a wow, you GFOPs are amazing note. Our relationship with the wonderful nonprofit America Scores, yeah. the organization which empowers school kids to develop their mental and physical selves by teaching two of my twin loves soccer yeah. and poetry. Oh, you love poetry. It's a real nonprofit. Creating a new generation of American athlete poets. God, I love it. It's as if I dreamt it. It's real, though. We asked you GFOPs to donate any no longer wanted soccer books you had lying around to Holly O'Donnell at DC Scores on 1224 M Street, Northwest Suite 200, DC 2005. And we just got a fantastic email from the organization because you never know what happens when you promote something. But she wrote, man, MIB has some fans. One blurb at the end of a newsletter, people had to read it, get a book off the shelf, and then go to the post office and do it within a few days. I am blown away and psyched by what has happened in response. I mean, it's crazy impressive. Thank you, GFOPs. Keep sending those books to America's scores. Keep them coming. They will all be put to the best of use with kids for whom an unwanted Jamie Vardy biography will make a world of difference. <laughs> Uh, beautiful, Rog. Follow us on Twitter at Men in Blazers, at Embassy Davis, at Roger Bennett, on Instagram at Men in Blazers, at Embassy underscore Davis. Facebook, uh, Men in Blazers. You can always send your ravens to the crap part of Soho. You can always email us at meninblazers at gmail.com. Vendorpunk Rog. War pig. Who wants to sex Matumbo? Explosion. Play the babies. Take that, Gloria. Is that your analysis? To tweed. Not quite our kind, dear. Kung fu fight in America. Love you, Davo.
Love you, Roger. Three Wayne Shaw. <laughs> and Rooney. <laughs>